Hi everybody, my name is Jennifer Elliott and welcome to 48 Minutes Unplugged. In this podcast, we interview leaders who we think are inspiring. We rapid-fire questions at them to discover what makes them stand out. We believe the world today more than ever needs inspiring leaders. Leaders who are good at what they do but stand out in the way they do it are able to keep focus in a rapidly changing world and have impact that reaches further. Before each interview, we do a breathing exercise to bring us both intentionally into the moment, here and now. We intentionally do not disclose the questions in advance because we would like to get intuitive, heartfelt answers and really get to know the person behind the title. The questions have no logical order and that might at times feel uneasy. After 48 minutes, you will hear a tone, which means the interview will come to an end, no matter how exciting the content is at that moment. So let's go. We welcome today our guest who is sitting in front of me at the Showpad headquarters. It's Louis Jonker. He's the co-founder and currently CPO of the hottest, one of the hottest global startups. Showpad is a content management system that helps retail businesses bring all their marketing and sales content at one location. Did I say that correctly, Louis? Yeah, you did. Welcome yeah. here today. Uh, we are so happy to have you in our podcast. Um, you, for us, really are one of the inspiring leaders in Belgium. Um, maybe before we start, do you have a nickname or uh, can I just call you Louis? You can just call me Louis. Okay, cool. Uh, are you a coffee or tea person? I'm a coffee person. How do you drink your coffee? Uh, black, no milk, just... Uh, Okay, super. And where is your home base today? Is it Belgium or the US? It's it recently changed to the US again. Okay. So um, in the last uh, eight years, I lived five years in California, San Francisco, and then moved back to Belgium for two years. But actually, since January of this year, I moved back to the US, but now Chicago. And, uh, okay. I'm not a few weeks in Belgium. And why is that? Uh, it's for business. It's, um, it's pretty early on in the, the start of Showpet. We uh, sold our product into the US market, and uh, it quickly became our biggest market. And I think as a company if you want to be serious about that market like one of the founders has to be there and so i think i'm there to uh, support the growth and make sure we do the right things there okay and why chicago um so chicago um is for us i would say a very convenient place to do business first of all i like the time zone seven hours versus nine hours difference in san francisco is important uh, direct flights from brussels are important but uh, even more importantly uh, the talent hub so there's a lot of talent there at a price that is not totally unreasonable mm -hmm. uh, if you if you would go to new york or uh, san francisco it's very expensive chicago is a bit more uh, doable um so i would say that's the second reason and the third reason is proximity to customers like the area around chicago has mm -hmm. some of the the biggest industries uh, of the us and uh, midwest manufacturing metavice all of that right okay yeah. so we're gonna uh, dive in and uh, get a bit personal <coughs> um i wonder if you look at your life up until now so you're mm -hmm. now 30, 34. 34 years yeah. old. Um, what has your highest moment been? My highest moment? It's um, it's a difficult question because I, like, I, I see the last um, 10 years actually as a, a continuous climb eh, where um, like every month I, I felt there was a high moment in there. Um, but for me, I think a moment where I realized um, how amazing 
the companies that, that, that I start like personally high moment for me was when we had our um, team event uh, only a few weeks ago and um, I'm bringing it up because it's pretty recent in my memory and I mean look if you start a company if you scale a company like things are not always easy eh? and um, things do not always go as you plan and uh, as a company you have to be resilient and I think the the big driver behind resilience is company culture mm-hmm. and um, what I really liked about our team event in the last few weeks which we had in the US and in Europe is that um, it resurfaced again but it restated that our culture we have at Showbit is so unique and eh? the, 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 the amount of people uh, we collected that think similarly as us that that uh, live and breed for show but have all of the values we have was just really enlightening to see and so as a founder one of your biggest responsibilities is to build a culture that is there to last uh, to build a culture that uh, people want to be in and i think uh, the, the, the 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 thing that brought me on a high was afterwards seeing all of the reactions of our mm-hmm. employees on linkedin facebook raving about our company mm-hmm. about our culture about the people and um like that is much more fundamental than than anything else Mm -hmm. i think business results will come from a great culture and so 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 that's like a really big high for me how many employees do you have at the moment Uh, about 500 500 okay and what about outside of work outside of work it's um so so i have two kids i have a daughter that is almost five and a son that is three Mm I was just see, seeing them grow up, uh, mm-hmm. seeing them develop their uh, characters, their personalities mm-hmm. is just, it, it's it's uh, extremely um, yeah, f- fun and, and, and heartwarming to see that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like my, my, my family is, is uh, super important to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's really nice to, yeah. to hear. What is your um, biggest, if you would say, fear in life? Um, my biggest fear in life... Um, so first of all, I rarely worry about uh, the things that I cannot control. Uh, so, uh, so for example, we live now in uh, some interesting times with the coronavirus, uh, and in a way that that kept that keeps me busy. But but like there's also um, a thought where like this is partly out of my control. So I should relativize that uh, for, for, for a big piece. I think what what I fear the most is that I will fail, is that I will not do enough to uh, to make this company successful or to uh, do what is necessary. Uh, it's uh, um, so in a way there's always a fear of failure uh, that 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 drives you um, sometimes even more than the uh, the urge to win. Uh, so uh, um, I wouldn't say I'm 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 a person with less. Um, confidence in itself but but like there is that i mean i, I think most people have that, that that constant fear like am i not doing enough am i the right person mm. am i am i making bad decisions mm-hmm. because as you um as you skill your company more and more people will rely on you uh, to make the mm. right decisions mm-hmm. and, and sometimes that is that is scary and uh, uh, but uh, i mean in the last years i've, I've learned how to deal with that mm-hmm. but uh, so yeah. And what is your biggest uh, desire in life uh, at, at work, but also outside? Yeah. Um, so I think my so to be happy, of course, but that is the the, the simple mm. question. Um, hard to do. Simple question, but hard to do. Yeah, hard, hard to do, and and and, and I think it's about. You need to have a mindset, and again, everybody is different, right? Like, I have a mindset where I wanna, I wanna grow as a person, as a company. I wanna build amazing products i want to build amazing things um but in a way like i don't have an end goal yeah? like mm-hmm. there's no end goal for me where i say like i will be happy if i achieve that eh? mm-hmm. um i recently read a book of simon sinek the infinity game mm-hmm. and, and i think I, for the, the the people who listen to the podcast very interesting 
and, and I completely buy into that. Like, like life is not about going to a specific endpoint and then saying I'm mm. successful. Well, like it's it's an infinite game. Eh? You uh, you just enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. You you build an amazing company, an amazing culture. You you have fun what you're doing like honestly i could not imagine doing anything else mm. so there's there's no urge for me to sell my company or to do something that would completely change the trajectory that i'm yeah. on that so basically doing what i do today if i could do that for the rest of my life uh, with the same passion and energy i think i would be a very happy person um so that's uh, that's that from, from a personal perspective i think um making sure my family feels the same uh, because i also know that um as a um, as a founder, like I moved uh, four times in the last few years, mm-hmm. like two times to the US, two times back to Belgium. Um, I don't, I don't want my family impacted negatively by that. So I'm, I'm constantly looking for solutions, and 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 sometimes also from my side, uh, giving up some things to make sure we have that balance. Because uh, I would not be happy professionally if I would not live in a, in a in a happy personal situation. So like having that balance constantly is important and. At the same time, I like like one of the <clears throat> things that I told my wife the first day we were together was like like you'll never have a boring life with me, and uh, I love to do un- unusual things. I love to do unexpected things, and and uh, my life should never be boring. That's, uh, okay. Yeah. Are you successful? Mm. Depends on how you look at it, or it depends on how you define success and who you compare it, right? It's, uh, um, I've never seen myself as somebody very successful. Um, I've definitely have done uh, good things in the last eight years. Like my company has grown, I have grown, and uh, you could see that as success. And if you would benchmark uh, what, what Chopin is doing with, with, for example, a lot of other European, Belgian startups, you could see we're very successful. Um, but I, but I don't want to compare myself uh, with that. Like I'm, I'm comparing myself with the sales forces of this world, and I'm mm. comparing myself with the LinkedIn's and the Facebooks and all of those great companies mm. that uh, have gone above and beyond. Yes. Um, you forgot to unplug. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> to unplug. Exactly. Now, now I'm unplugged. Okay. Um, so, but I compare myself with. Um, yeah, companies who are always way ahead of me, and, mm-hmm. and, and if you compare yourself with them, sometimes yeah. it doesn't look mm-hmm. that you're so successful. It's all so relative. It, it, it's all relative, and, and so you need to have that mindset. You need to have the mindset that there's still so much to do for you, mm-hmm. um, and even like like people like Mark Zuckerberg will compare himself with yeah. other people who mm-hmm. are even bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you need to celebrate success. Mm-hmm. And you need to, especially with a team, it's very important to. Uh, celebrate the milestones you achieve. Mm. Celebrate the little things uh, because uh, like it, it's such a an intense ride that, that often you forget to look back and say like, damn it, like we have achieved some mm-hmm. great things. Uh, but is that success? Mm-hmm. That, is, that is relative. Yeah. yeah, this is probably a question you you received uh, when you were doing job interviews. But uh, why did you study law? It's a uh, that's a good question. So I I mean I have a good answer for that. It's. Um, for some bizarre reason, when I was um, as a little kid, you always have like that dream profession, and for me, mm-hmm. it was being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then I gave up that that dream. Like when I was 14 years old, I, st- I started to study informatics. Mm-hmm. And so, and uh, there was like a new education in Belgium, informatics you could start. Uh, so I've done that for a few years, but then. For some reason, instead of uh, going for informatics, like I made that strange decision as um, 
uh, as an informatics student to study law, which was very mm. unusual. Mm. Um, but I think it proved to be the the, the, the right decision. I think it uh, was. Why? Uh, I mean, so, so for like uh, I started to know some amazing people. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my friends still uh, come from that network. Um, it also put me in a situation where I could be an entrepreneur. I mean, mm-hmm. it's maybe um, the law professors will not hear that, but but I was, I, would, I think, the last year that had only uh, one exam per yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I literally could not mm-hmm. go to classes, not study mm-hmm. until April, May, and then think yeah. about law school. And so during law school, I actually started my first company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a company that rented out karaoke machines. Okay. And... Uh, uh, so yeah, and then after law, I, d- I did Flaric, which then opened yeah. or brought my skill set, my knowledge, and then uh, yeah. so in a way, like law allowed me to combine it with uh, uh, starting a company with, with the scouts. Like I was yeah. very active in the scouts mm-hmm. as well, and uh, so yeah, that that, that worked. Okay, yeah. well, I have a, a comparable experience because yes. I also studied law and uh, I also okay. did Flaric yeah. and I also became <laughs> an entrepreneur, and I found that in the beginning a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. Um, because it, no, it wasn't my passion, um, but uh, I did find it interesting, and yeah. it did lead me to where I am now. So exactly. everything has a, yes. a purpose, right? Yes. Um, so, do you remember uh, as a, a kid? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look for. Was there was Showpad always in you, or is it something that? Oh, the the you mean the product or starting the company? Uh, the type of company, the the mission it has. Uh, can you recall a time when you were young when you? Yeah, it's um, it's a great question. Um, so, I stumbled into the idea of Showbet. Uh, so mm-hmm. before before Showbet, PJ and I, so my co-founder, we started uh, our first company together called In the Pocket, mm-hmm. which is a, a digital product studio, mm-hmm. like business basically developing. Uh, digital products, mobile apps for other companies, mm-hmm. and um, so we started that company about ten years ago, and then um, after a year, year and a half, we started to get demand for um, applications for salespeople. Mm-hmm. There were some customers approached us and said, like, "Hey, we have uh, a trade show. Can you develop an application for our salespeople to mm-hmm. use there?" And then we literally stumbled onto the idea of Showpad. We saw the opportunity and we saw mm-hmm. the the huge gap in the market and, and decided to. To build a product, so um, did I always thought that I was going to end in what they now call the sales enablement industry? Absolutely not. And I, mm-hmm. like even when I started Showpad, I didn't know what sales enablement was. Um, but that, of course, I mean, the, the, although that's important, like the underlying um, driver is, of course, a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Like every company should have a, a purpose, should have um, something that is driving much more than just mm-hmm. that, and. Um, we recently did um, a long exercise with, with some um, external coaches mm-hmm. to crystallize our purpose mm-hmm. right? because uh, often it is something that lives uh, within your company but it's it's often hard to to bring it in words uh, yep. to, to, to make it very tangible mm-hmm. and so um, I would say the conclusion of that exercise was that Chopet's purpose uh, well, like why PG and I started this company mm-hmm. and, and uh, why we get energized every day uh, and that is basically because um, we empower others to be successful and we empower others to be at their best. And that is uh, something very personal to us as uh, the both of us are people. We, SOPG and I come from big families, like I'm from a family of five, he a family of four. Uh, we've both been in the scouts and I'm like, 
the both of us get energy from helping others like and that is a very mm. genuine starting point for us so like we we get happiness from seeing employees grow seeing employees being promoted we, we become happy from seeing customers being successful and it is something that is so present in us that that everybody we touch everybody who touches the company like like will thrive like that that is the mindset that we have and it's it's a very enlightening culture that there is in mm. showpad and something that i'm very proud of so and that feeling empowering others to be to be successful to be at their best is something that i felt like my whole life and mm-hmm. uh, it's why i um, was in the scouts for uh, like uh, almost 20 years of my life or i was a scout leader for 10 years uh, like i literally was dedicated to to uh, mm-hmm. helping uh, to helping them so i think like from that perspective yes it was there like like all the time and uh, uh, but yeah, the idea of sales enablement, uh, mm-hmm. that, I mean, you yeah. stumble upon it. Yeah, but I truly believe everyone has a personal yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um, I also truly believe businesses are really successful when they align with the founder's personal yes. purpose. Would exactly. you say that that, that is then uh, the case? hundred percent, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Mm. And it's it's the the, the 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 great thing about a purpose is people feel it. Yeah? Like people feel there's something like like well, what is connecting us? Like like mm-hmm. what is making sure that that everybody in Showbud who touches a customer or a partner, like transcends that same feeling to to, mm-hmm. to our partners or customers. The moment you put it in words, it, mm-hmm. it's really it's magical eh? because like suddenly you see the whole room like yes yes that that's it. I mean that is why we get out of bed. That is what energizes us. That is a mission people wanna. Um, like want to really fight for and mm-hmm. n- nobody um, gets excited about just numbers mm-hmm. uh, if, if the world would be all about quarterly results and mm-hmm. metrics then we would create uh, like robots mm-hmm. about humans want to have a deeper purpose mm-hmm. and so with Shoba that is that is that and I mean our, our legacy like what we want to achieve is much more than like the Shopat product or the Shopat customers or the mm. Shopat ecosystem. It is basically as well like beyond Shopat. What is the, like how are we helping our society? How are we helping mm-hmm. uh, the entrepreneurial community in Belgium? And mm-hmm. my, uh, my dream is, is that out of Shopat one day you'll have 20 or 30 other startups who create a massive amount of wealth for, for the region. Mm. Um, and, and that is like something that will transcend whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And I think like that feeling, that mindset, is something a, that, that, that a company needs to, to really mm-hmm. thrive. To create an impact. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, often successful people with a, with a strong drive uh, get that drive from a moment of hardship they experienced. Yeah. Um, is that the case for you? Um, I, th- I think so. I was, um, I was a horrible student. I literally, uh, like I've... Um, I think I've done three uh, high schools. Mm-hmm. Um, like started in, in the, the in Belgium, it's like ISO, the the, mm-hmm. the, the highest mm-hmm. standard you have. But then like I failed in my second year. Then the third year went to the cooking school. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my mother is a, is a cook, so that's why I've done that. Then it didn't work again. Then I had to go to another um, uh, school and like bad points, like teachers that that not always believed in me. Yeah. Uh, um, and we like I always had to had to prove myself, yep. and uh, I think I get my energy from um, being the underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, come from a very warm family, but not mm-hmm. a family that was very uh, wealthy or, mm-hmm. or very outspoken. And so I always had the feeling I had to prove myself mm-hmm. that I had to be that underdog. And the underdog feeling is something that drives me enormously. Mm-hmm. Like even still today, 
um, a European company that is battling with the American software giants as an underdog. Yeah. And in a way, I like to be in that position because mm-hmm. it gives me a starting point energy to mm-hmm. do more. So is it a hardship? It's more, I would say, like how people are formed. And like I always had to be in a position where I had to prove myself against the odds. And mm-hmm. nobody believed that I would then uh, be successful in law. Like chances were low. And uh, nobody then thought I would be able to get into Flaric, mm-hmm. which I did. And uh, when I resigned at uh, my, my first employer, Netlog, everybody thought I was crazy starting a product studio with two guys who were new software mm-hmm. developers. And then that business runs well, and then everybody thought I was crazy to start mm-hmm. another business. So, mm-hmm. so and, and, and in a way, I like that. So yeah. it's... Uh, um. We, I think we're, we're brought up in the West to trust very much on our, our minds and yeah. the, the, our intellectual yeah. power. Um, and we've kind of been, um, uh, how do you say it, dislocated from our intuitive yeah. uh, power yeah. or intelligence. Yeah. Um, what is your opinion on that and how, how do you make decisions here at, at, at Showpad? Do you trust the, the numbers or do you just trust your guts it's uh, i'm going to make a bold statement every time i didn't follow to my intuition or my guts um i was proved wrong mm-hmm. yeah? uh, i think as a founder you're in a unique position yeah, to make a lot of decisions or drive the company based on your intuition yeah? um and like in in, in a way <coughs> i think that's a great thing why because you should look at your company as uh, your baby. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I have now been eight years living and reading Showbat every single day. Uh, so, in a way, I see things and I make decisions based on very little data, based on very little objective or rational mm-hmm. things out there. But I make decisions based on things that I see, based on patterns that I have seen mm-hmm. before. Uh, it's like if you... Um, look at some of the best chess players in the world. Mm-hmm. They can make the most complex moves based on their intuition. They do not mm-hmm. have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's the same thing with a founder running their company. Sometimes they make decisions that that, that are actually super, but, but that's how the brain works, mm-hmm. that are super complex, but it, it happens very intuitive. Like mm-hmm. It's like if I would ask you what is the capital of France, like you don't have to think it's mm-hmm. Paris. Yeah? Mm-hmm. If I ask you the question, what is 18 times 75, you will have to rationally think mm-hmm. about it. Um, anyway, as a founder, like you're uh, able to make very complex decisions, like immediately based on your intuition. Uh, so I think it's it's an extremely underrated uh, tool that, that that people have. And uh, intellect and and rationale is is important to make decisions to mm-hmm. assist it. But I believe that it all starts mm-hmm. with intuition. You're the founder, like you yeah. said, it's your baby. How do you bring that way of thinking and decision making into your company and and yeah. and it's your employees? <coughs> company culture. It's um, it, it's the only thing that, <coughs> as a founder, you can truly control one hundred percent. All of the other things are subject to change based on things you do not control. But company culture is and. That is, that is about values. That is, what are the values that are important in your company? Mm-hmm. Um, and then very importantly, like, how do you, like, <clears throat> enforce is a negative word, but how do you make sure that those values become something tangible? Mm-hmm. Yeah? And, for example, uh, that there's, um, there's a value we now f- focus on more and more, and, like, that is being bold. And, like, we mm-hmm. have to be bold as, as a company. And <clears throat> you make it very tangible by making sure that, in every end of the meeting that you assess some decisions you made, like, is this bold enough? And that you actively discuss that. And so creating that, that culture in a very practical way drives the behavior you want. So values is, is one thing, 
purpose is a second thing mm-hmm. because like things will be hard uh, like people sometimes will not be successful they will be frustrated things will not work out customers will churn deals will not close uh, there will be an issue in the product and then you need to have a, a very resilient culture and you need to have a purpose that is motivating people to go beyond uh, what is normally expected and again typically that's not about numbers like not at all it's about the purpose we talked about mm-hmm. it's about the, the higher meaning that they can give to, mm-hmm. to what they're doing So if somebody <coughs> says, I think this is what we should do because I feel it, yeah. then you would go with it. Um, <coughs> I would definitely listen to it. Of, of course, always challenge it as mm-hmm. well. Eh? I think, um, again, intuition is a driver of, of many decisions you should make. But eh, I also believe that uh, it also comes with having spent time in a company. Mm-hmm. So somebody who has seven, eight years, for example, as a software developer in show, but then says like, I feel something is wrong with mm. this code. Like, I think we need to look mm. at it, then look at it. Okay. And, um, because you, you give a bit more meaning to those words because I mean, they have seen it happen. They have mm-hmm. seen things out there. So I think mm-hmm. you need to put a lot of value on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but of course I would say uh, in certain decisions, you need to back it up with data. If mm-hmm. you're doing a pricing analysis, then you can have a gut feeling, mm-hmm. but you need to double check with, with data mm-hmm. as well. Okay, so you started the company with <coughs> Peter Jan, yep. um, he's CEO of the company. How did you decide on that division well, of role <coughs> and, and it, why? It's, um, so, so PG and I already worked together for 10 years and so I got to uh, know him <coughs> 10 years ago at Natlo. Mm-hmm. So that uh, was my first job, my only job. And he, uh, he managed the business development team there. And then we started uh, our first company together in the pocket with Jeroen Le Meire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say as of that moment, uh, like <coughs> I, I feel very comfortable um, in, in, in a supporting position. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I've never had the ambition to be To be the CEO, although like PJ also was not the type of guy that said like, I want to be the yeah. CEO, but I think if you look at his character, my character, I think it just made more sense. Mm-hmm. And um, I think like the, 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 the magic of the two of us is not in the fact that he's the CEO and that I'm the chief product officer, but mm. it's a partnership. We have. Mm-hmm. It's the, the fact that we're very complementary. Mm-hmm. Our character is the fact that I moved to the US, that he stayed in Belgium, the fact that, 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 that his character and my character makes the show pet culture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've never seen, uh, like he, PG and I don't see our roles as like, I'm reporting to him or vice versa, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a partnership. Like, like we both uh, give everything to Chopin and like whatever needs to happen will happen. And I think that that is, that is one of the most fundamental mindsets you need to have as a founder. Like the first thing you are as a leader is that you are a servant. You're mm-hmm. a servant to your company, to your employees, to your customers. And if you start from that mindset, like what you do doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, as long as you do the right thing. Yeah, that's uh, very important. Okay, um, it, at 48 Hours Unplug, we uh, truly believe <coughs> in uh, the power of mental clarity yeah. uh, and the importance of unplugging um, on a, a daily, weekly basis, and uh, also um, really deeply uh, for a certain period of, a period of time. Uh, what is your vision on on mental clarity? And um, <laughs> it's um, <coughs> so. What I do to get mental clarity, it's uh, because often like like running a company at this speed and skill can be overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's competition, there's like there's every day there's bad news, and mm. I think first of all you need to 
um, you, you, you develop some kind of muscle for it. Mm-hmm. I call it like mental flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I think just having the experience of uh, seeing all of those things happen gives you some kind of um, flexibility muscle that helps you to relativize mm-hmm. those things that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, like every time you solve a problem, a new one appears. Mm-hmm. So like it, it is like that all the time. Uh, so um, being very realistic in what to expect, I think, will help you a lot because mm-hmm. if you're not able to put those things in perspective, mm-hmm. it will drive you crazy and because then, then suddenly you will be totally overwhelmed. So I think creating that muscle is one thing and mm-hmm. sometimes um, also taking the time to um, to disconnect. And I think everybody mm-hmm. has their uh, methods to do that. Eh? Like, I've, like I've mentioned before the interview, PJ meditates on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. I actually like to swim. And so mm-hmm. it, the, the swimming is, is something that I've that I started doing a few years ago, and it gives me it gives me calm. Like mm-hmm. it's, for for me, swimming is almost a meditative mm-hmm. uh, experience where I yeah. swim for thirty minutes. It's healthy. Yeah. It, it's, it's breathing. Like, it's it's breathing, yeah. and um, I think that helps me a lot. I think uh, walking. And so um, it, it's something that I do probably four or five times a day that mm-hmm. I go out sometimes okay. alone but often with, 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 with just somebody need to have a creative discussion mm-hmm. with, uh, um, something I recently started to do some um, uh, we're very lucky so we're in the the, the loop in Chicago mm-hmm. in the center one of the most beautiful museums in the world mm-hmm. it's like literally five minutes walking from our office and uh, something that I recently started doing was just doing some of my meetings there. Yeah. So I bought a pass, a family mm-hmm. pass, and I take my, my employees with mm-hmm. me. And I just go walking around and talk yeah. and discuss. And, and like it gives you more, more creativity, more creativity yeah. oxygen, and, and uh, I like that. So for me, often doing a walk is escaping from the, the, like the overwhelming mm-hmm. uh, things that happen in a business sometimes. Is it hard to disconnect? It's... Because um, <coughs> it's your baby, so... It's your, yeah. It, so, so, so it never leaves you. Eh? So, mm. so even when you're, uh, I just came back from a holiday last mm. week. Even when you're on a holiday, it's very hard to not think about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a way, I started to to accept that. Um, mm. But you need to put some some rules uh, in mm-hmm. there, right? Because otherwise, like it just consumes you. So for example, if I'm on a holiday, I only try to be one hour on on a screen, you know, like mm. on, on a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I don't bring my computer to holidays anymore. So you need to have some rules to. To make sure you're not completely working mm-hmm. again, but it's always there. You're always thinking about it. Uh, it never leaves you, and, and, and in a way, that's fine. I think the only moments where I do not think about work if I, is if I swim, is mm-hmm. if I, I like also I do like snowboard two three times a year. Mm-hmm. Like when, when I'm on the mountains, then it mm-hmm. works out. Uh, but uh, outside that, it's always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know the the well known framework of. Uh, uh, prioritization and yep. how you know we often tend to focus on the urgent non-important things and yep. don't make enough time for the yep. important maybe not so urgent things um, is that something you recognize and do you um, do you really make time to focus on vision yeah. and to just take time <coughs> for yourself um, yeah. it's um, so, so I think as you as you grow I think you're um, um, I mean, your your agenda starts to be controlled by mm-hmm. others. So, like you start to be subject to everybody wanting to spend time, yeah. and you having meetings, customers, mm-hmm. employees, partners, everybody. So that is overwhelming. And at a certain point in time, like you need to say stop. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be uh, the master again of my calendar. And and what really helped with me there is to have an executive assistant, mm-hmm. Sarah, who uh, does a great job guarding that. Yeah. And, and for example, like I make sure with her that I have some rules that I say, look, every day. I want to have two hours of time to think, to, yeah. to not have anything in my agenda, but to basically 
spend the time in my day as I wish to. And sometimes mm-hmm. that is to, to, to read or to think through our vision or to just uh, like get some work done that is a bit more creative. Oh, wow, that's impressive. That's Two it. hours is quite Yep. Yeah, yeah. so two blocks of one hour. Yeah. And um, and that, for example, also like in the evening, she's blocking some evenings so that I don't work. So I think having that balance is important. Uh, but it's something that I've learned the hard way because uh, for too long I was like literally 8 a.m. in the morning to like 7 p.m. in the evening, constantly back to back in meetings and calls. And like, like in the end of the day, you're just overwhelmed. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what did I do? Mm. Then, yeah, so taking the time is uh, important. What is your daily screen time? My daily screen time, ooh, it's it's um, it's probably twelve hours. I mean, I'm, I'm a lot of my time behind my computer. Mm. Most of the meetings we have are remote, so mm-hmm. that that that, yeah. that um, if you then combine my cell phone, yeah, twelve hours, yeah, probably mm. that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think many of us yes. have that problem, right? <laughs> I agree. Um, a big one now. If you had so today you get the news that you have one year to live yeah what would you do oh i would um i've never thought about that it's there's definitely a part of me that would say i would stop working Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's uh, i would uh, enjoy the last year with my family because like above anything else like they're the most important Mm -hmm. so i definitely would i would probably not drop my work like immediately Mm -hmm. but i would definitely have a plan to uh, at a pretty short amount of time, like like phase out the yeah. work and make sure mm. the legacy there is secured or mm. as secured as possible. But then spend time with the family, spend time with my kids, mm. and uh, travel and do nice things and not think about what will happen in a year time. And so mm-hmm. I think I would just enjoy the last year as much as possible with the people that I care about. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's what yeah. I would do. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure. Um, I have a few of them. It's um, a few, so, so I'll, I'll name a few. So I think um, um, I, I love to eat and I love to drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my guilty pleasures are definitely going to um, the best restaurants I can go yeah. to. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's something that I have a few friends who think very similar as me. Mm-hmm. So I have a few. Companions, companions yeah. who are like often like okay traveling for like one night yeah. to uh, Denmark to go yeah. to uh, a restaurant mm-hmm. or, uh, and, and so it's mm-hmm. like that is definitely my guilty pleasure not not naming any names no. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few good ones yeah. that we've actually done two there yeah. but uh, mm. also in the US like Chicago mm. is an amazing mm-hmm. culinary scene it, it's so I, I love it so I would say that is definitely a guilty pleasure and then um, I started to collect wine um, mm. Or like to build up a wine cellar slowly, mm-hmm. uh, just because yeah, it's uh, it's something that uh, that I really started to enjoy mm-hmm. in the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, also like I also have some mutual friends who are much yeah. into it, who are very passionate about it. So uh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, who do you think is an inspiring leader? Who do I think is an inspiring leader? <laughs> um, <coughs> so this is, I have multiple, and I have multiple for. Uh, multiple reasons. Yeah? So I think first of all, there's uh, the obvious ones like um, the, the Elon Musk's, uh, the people mm. who have the, the 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 biggest possible dreams, the biggest moonshots, who really are changing changing the world for the better, uh, based on their on their dreams, on their vision, and are extremely mm. say, focused and ruthless, dedicated yeah. to get there. Mm. Yeah, they're ruthless, uh, and 
like there's a part of me that likes it but mm-hmm. i would never want to be elon musk yeah. or even steve jobs right because mm-hmm. like i don't want to be an, I, i'm not an asshole and I, I don't look up to people who are an asshole yeah. Uh, but there, there's a part of me that admires them yeah. uh, for their dedication, for their Got vision. Yeah. And there are a lot of founders, uh, CEOs like that. Um, but then secondly, I mean, I mean there's, um, there's a few founder CEOs that, that um, I really look up to. Uh, like for one, one example, um, D- Dave Goldberg, he unfortunately doesn't live anymore. Like he, he died a few mm-hmm. years ago. He was the CEO of SurveyMonkey. Uh, and he, so I, I got to see him once in Silicon Valley, and he always left a lasting impression on me. He he was the the the, um, the biggest example of servant leadership. Uh, okay. He was somebody that created such an amazing culture mm-hmm. in the companies he worked for. He was the most humble, um, thoughtful person that mm-hmm. I ever talked to. Uh, and and yeah, the the, the 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 idea of servant leadership, not seeing yourself as uh, the most important thing, seeing yourself as a servant of your company. It's truly inspiring. Yeah? Obama had a very similar yeah. aura over him. Like it was not about him. Like it was about the people who were mm-hmm. actually doing the work. And um, so those are a few. Mm-hmm. Are there um, inspiring leaders in Belgium? <coughs> there, there, there definitely are. Um, if I would have to give up some names, for example, if I look at my my, my scale up startup world, then I definitely would say that uh, Felix from Colibra is a, mm-hmm. is, a, is a very inspiring guy. Uh, like he's also a good personal friend. But but were you together at uh, Flerik? Um, he was a year earlier than earlier. me. I think yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he was a year earlier than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like what, what I admire about him is that like he had a really tough time in the beginning with Colibra. Mm-hmm. The, the the market was not ready. Like it was very tough to raise money. But but like he really stuck with his vision and his his belief in, in the opportunity and and combine that with that servant leadership mm-hmm. uh, and, and like his company is mm-hmm. extremely well now so i think it's a combination of people who have an amazing vision uh, like who really are resilient when times are are, are not as optimal mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time manage their business in, in a very uh, servant uh, powerful way so yeah. say, like he's definitely one okay yeah. um who is the real Louis. I mean, like when when you are feeling like a kid, yeah. uh, what are you doing? Oh, it's um, so the the the, the 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 biggest compliment that I that I often get from people who know me both professionally and and personally. And there, there's a few of them in this company, friends that joined Showbet or mm-hmm. Showbet employees that became friends, mm-hmm. and. Like they say, like there's no difference. There's no difference between Louis at work or Louis when he's outside of his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, there's, there's, there's no filter that I have. There's no, um, there's no mask that I'm wearing. There's no different Louis when he's managing mm-hmm. a big team versus when he's uh, hanging out with friends. Uh, and I think that's also part of my of my strength. That's mm-hmm. part of my. Um, uh, recently, was in a session. My superpowers is that. Um, like I, I just I just cannot play games. If I if I'm happy, people will always see that. Yeah. If I'm frustrated, people will also see that. And I have a very hard time playing those games, and I just cannot do it. And that, for example, would make me not, for example, the best CEO, probably mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I would say the position that I'm currently in it allows me to do that, mm-hmm. and, and it, it drives the showpad culture mm-hmm. for a big part. And um, and that makes me happy. The moment mm-hmm. that I would have to pretend to be somebody mm-hmm. at work. Then I would would be then I would feel miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I'm typically somebody who is extremely uh, energetic. Um, I, lo- I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I love to make jokes. I love mm-hmm. to uh, laugh at other people. They can mm-hmm. laugh at me. It, mm-hmm. it, it's all fine. Yeah. And it's uh, it just needs to be fun. Yeah. 
you're spending uh, 12, 14 hours a day on, on something and if you would not enjoy it or if you would not have fun, then mm. why would you do it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I personally have a very uh, tough time with uh, off days or not feeling like I'm in, uh, in you know, yeah. like I'm being really productive and yeah. uh, how do you handle off days? I go home. <laughs> really? Yeah, I go home, yeah. No matter what's on the agenda? Uh, I mean, if I really have an off day, then... And I have the luxury to do that, of course, and I can just say, like, I'm not feeling well, like, uh, I just want to do that. It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens sometimes that you're just very low energy and you just feel it like you're not in a in a mood to do something. And mm-hmm. then uh, and I just go home or I, I, I go to my parents, visit friends if they're around, but, but yeah. And, and the opposite, maybe, how do you energize yourself at the start of the day? Um, mostly I get up energized. <laughs> I'm yeah. very happy the day starts. Um, it is a... I would say it's definitely one of my strengths is my my intrinsic motivation and mm. energy that I yeah. have. It's uh, I get excited about ideas mm. and just putting a few exciting ideas in my head or positive thoughts is enough to to fuel me yeah. for the whole day. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a question. It's it's maybe not a nice one, but I cannot not ask it at this moment. But which impact do you think Corona might have on the business? Oh, it's. Um, we're obviously talking a lot about this right now. So I think, um, I think first of all, the fear you see is um, is in a way irrational, eh? mm. uh, but that's how markets behave. Mm. And that, that, that's how the, the, the mm. market acts. Um, I would say the biggest effect it could have is that it turns the economy in a recession. And when you end up in a recession, it changes the game, right? It yeah. changes uh, how much companies invest, how much they're spending, on what they're willing to spend money. Mm. That has an impact, um, but again, being an optimist, I also see that the best companies in the world thrive in, in a recession. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, if you have a resilient culture, if you have a resilient team, you will get past that and you'll mm-hmm. be inventive, you'll be creative to come up with solutions. Mm-hmm. You, you, you probably will have slower growth, but yeah. that's fine. That's Everyone's in the same boat. Everybody's mm-hmm. in the same boat. The level playing field mm-hmm. is equal. Uh, but if you um, if you up your creativity and your resilience, which I feel very comfortable about with Showpad, then uh, you'll be fine, and you'll probably do better than your comp- competition. So, uh, so in a way, like it doesn't scare me, not not at all. Um, maybe worse things can happen, mm-hmm. but that's out of my control, and I just have to focus on making sure that as a, as a team we're doing the right things, mm-hmm. resilient, and we maybe will take a head in growth. But mm-hmm. again, everybody will, mm-hmm. so that's that's okay. Um, like you've kind of mentioned uh, explicitly and implicitly, your business um, is driven by people uh, yeah. and good people, right people who, who fit into the culture. Yeah. What is the, can you give an example of the most memorable thing that um, someone ever said or did in a job interview? In a job interview? Oh. Like you were like, this guy or girl we really need to have. Um, yeah, I had it in a lot of interviews that I that I want to hire um, uh, certain people. I would say there's a few interviews that come to mind. I'll, I'll, I'll just speak off. Like the first one was uh, uh, Miriam, and she was uh, one of her first uh, commercial people in, in San Francisco. And, and like she was, uh, I think, like a 23-year-old, like very bullish, like like big mouth type yeah. of personality. And um, so I was interviewing her in a coffee bar. We didn't have real office then. Yeah. And she saw through that. She's like, you don't have an office, right? Okay. How are you going to change? And like, she yeah. was interviewing me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, holy. Well, but, 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 yeah. but in, a, 
in a, like not in an arrogant way. Yeah. And I think the fact that she had the balls to interview yeah. me, and they're like, how yeah. are you going to change yeah. the world with your sales application? Yeah. Like, why should I join your company? Yeah. I'm not interested by numbers. Like, what is your purpose? What is, yeah. I was like, holy shit, it's yeah. a, like, what yeah. is she doing? Yeah. But she asked it in such a... Uh, inquisitive inqui- yeah curious uh, curious yeah. and uh, like uh, disarming way mm. that, that, that I said like, okay like that is the type of person I want to have in yeah. my company and who mm-hmm. asks the tough questions but not in an arrogant way like yeah. in a very disarming and, 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 and so, so, so uh, and then I hired her yeah. uh, like she, she stayed yeah. uh, four years with the company yeah. Yeah. And, and the opposite like someone you, or something that oh. you know really puts you off it's um so, for example, a question that um, that I always ask is, uh, like, describe me uh, a, a situation at work where you um, where you fail to deliver on, mm. on a project. And what always puts me off if people then start to talk about a story where somebody else uh, yeah. uh, had to take the blame. Mm-hmm. And were like, it was not my fault. Mm-hmm. Everybody makes mistakes, yeah. even people with, with the best track record. So, uh, like... Mm. That is something that, that that shows me they're not humble, they're yeah. not servant, they're yeah. and, and so like it immediately sets me yeah. off. And like it's typically the second or third question that I ask, yeah. and and that that's how you can mm. test like the cultural fit of somebody yeah. with questions like that. How do you go about that failure when you feel like Shit, <sighs> I screwed up? It's um, they have to be open and honest about it, um, which I am. Um, I think the the the. If you're at the top of a company, then if you screw up, nobody will tell you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Like you will just learn it yourself or do it yourself. Yeah. And so I think, uh, um, again, admitting your mistakes is important. And I think creating a culture in your, and, and then for example, as, as a founder, you now collaborate with your executives mm-hmm. and creating a culture of collaboration, creating a culture of trust. That is what you need to do first before you start to be able to openly share, like I screwed up or like I should do this better. And mm-hmm. so it's a process mm-hmm. yeah. okay are you happy at this moment yeah i mean not like now now but in yeah. life I, i've never felt unhappy in the last 10 years and there, 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 of course there's sometimes moments where you're frustrated or something happens in your private love, life but if i would look at, at the common threat in the last 10 years i'm super happy and i would not um want to see a life where i do something else than what i'm doing right now and so so yeah uh, is there a um, life-changing book or experience that you would recommend? <coughs> a life-changing book. Um, so I would say as a, as a founder, <coughs> a business leader, I would say there's a business book called um, The Hard Things About the Hard Things of Van Horvitz. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's, um, so Ben Horvitz is one of the, the, the best venture capitalists in the world, mm-hmm. like Andreessen Horvitz. Uh, he also was a founder ceo a few times and his theory is like in a startup in a scale up like management books will not help you mm-hmm. like there's no management theory to solve all of the problems that you have like how do you fire your best friend for example if you hire them into your company mm-hmm. how do you do that how do you uh, if you have to let go of 70 uh, percent of your company as a startup mm-hmm. like how do you emotionally deal with it like mm-hmm. there, there's no theory for that and uh, his idea in the book is then like i'll just share my stories and i'll just share how i uh, figured it out and how I dealt with it and like it gives you as a founder a sense of like whoa like what I'm feeling like that's normal and mm-hmm. like the, the issues that I have uh, personally when running my business it's a normal thing and again mm-hmm. the moment you start to see things hey you're not the only one it gives you additional power to reflect and to to uh, to put some relativation on top of it and so for me that was a, a an eye-opening book and uh, his book where I felt okay I'm not alone 
Um, so that was definitely one um, that I would recommend to read. Um, and then a second one is uh, The Power of Habit. I read that book, I think, like six, seven years ago. Um, and it, it shows you that, uh, again, pe people are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And uh, people would also, companies, the majority, 80, 90% of their decisions are based mm -hmm. on habits they have. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that book shows you, A, how powerful a habit is mm -hmm. and how omnipresent it is in everything mm -hmm. you do. But then secondly, like they destruct what is a habit from mm -hmm. a, like a physical, but also emotional and psychological point mm -hmm. of view. And then very importantly, how do you change it? Okay. Because uh, um, I think in, a, in, a, in, a, in an ever-changing, fast-moving world, mm -hmm. uh, change is important, mm -hmm. but change is often uh, slowed down by, by habits people yeah. have. And so uh, okay. personally and professionally, mm -hmm. yeah, so, so I think mm -hmm. that's uh, okay, important. Okay, thank you. Yeah. How confident are you on a scale of zero to 10? How, uh, I, I would say it, it varies when you ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always the same. But I would say that um, eight or nine at this point. Uh, and that has nothing to do with um, the fact that I feel better than anybody else, but mm -hmm. about the fact that, I mean, I've seen things. I've benchmarked uh, our company, uh, our team, with other teams in, in the market. And I feel very comfortable. We, we, we are in a very good spot, mm -hmm. uh, um, which doesn't guarantee things will go well, uh, but it guarantees that we will do all the right things to, to get as far as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see how far it gets us. Okay. Yeah. What do you love about yourself? <laughs> about myself? It's, um, I, I would say my, 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 my energy. And it, it's mm -hmm. something that I, that I build on and, and rely on every day. It's, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I, when you have a company that is growing fast, that's 500 people, mm. like you have a lot of people looking at you. And yeah. often your energy will dictate the energy of your company. Yeah. And so sometimes it's it's training as well, mm -hmm. like uh, because you're always giving energy. Yeah. Like that, that's why I, like, I really like the States because like that's an environment that also gives me yeah. energy. And mm -hmm. it's, it's like a very positive entrepreneurial uh, environment where um, yeah, I flourish. Thank you very much. Um, I personally really, really enjoyed this interview. Um, I am um, reminded why you're such an inspiring yeah. leader, truly uh, genuine and uh, very humble. Um, so thank you very much and good luck with uh, everything you're doing. Cool. Thanks. Thank you.